Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Lisa Tuggle, and this is Evangelination, evangelizing the nation for the best and brightest future of our country, our world, our families, and our eternal souls. And what could be more important than that? Today marks an important milestone marker for us. We are addressing the last of the four cardinal virtues. And if you'd like to hear some of our previous examinations of the virtues, just scroll through the weekly podcasts created since January of this year until now, April 29, 2021, to find more of what I call mini retreats on the virtues. So now at the beginning of our series on the virtues, I shared with you a mnemonic device for remembering the four cardinal virtues. Some people may not even remember them. So do you remember the device? It's P-T-J-F, or pray to Jesus forever. Pray to Jesus forever. Those letters will help you remember the four cardinal virtues. So the letters P-T-J-F, of course, correspond to prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. So now keeping this order in mind, I have saved the first of these, prudence, Uh, for last. So why did I save this one for last? Well, because prudence is, quote, the perfected ability to make right decisions. The perfected ability to make right decisions. So today's podcast is about perfection, and that's why I saved it for last. Incidentally, the definition I just gave you is a quote from the Virtue First Foundation which helps young people learn the virtues. So they have a wonderful ministry. Um, I encourage you to check that out, especially if you have young people in your home. So virtue is the perfected ability to make right decisions. Uh, The virtue of prudence is the perfected ability to make right decisions. So how many of us struggle with decision-making? Okay, if you struggle with decision-making, it may be because you are taking the appropriate amount of time needed to choose wisely. You take it seriously. As you gain more experience in life, it becomes a bit easier to make prudent decisions because you've already struggled a lot in your earlier years. But at any rate, wherever you are in the seasons of your life and whatever your natural dispositions or inclinations are, prudence must be your go-to device because it is the ability to govern and discipline yourself by the use of reason. This is, in fact, why St. Thomas Aquinas called prudence the charioteer of all the virtues. Prudence drives the virtues, so to speak. Now, if you take just a minute to consider the image of driving a chariot, I mean, can't you just imagine that it requires no small bit of navigational foresight to keep from hitting a bump or a hill that would throw you clear out of the chariot altogether, right? because the horses are carrying the chariot and you're just having to make sure that the effect of what where they go doesn't affect you negatively. So I think this is a great image for us as we study the virtue of prudence. Now, prudence enables us to perceive virtue. 
versus vice in application. So are we going to have a smooth ride or are we going to get thrown off course and get thrown out of the, out of the chariot? So prudence is in fact the cause of virtuous action. And it decides the form and the measure of each virtue in action as we respond to the circumstances of our lives. So in this way, what we do or say becomes not vicious, but virtuous, not an occasion of fault, but an occasion of perfection. Um, so now keep in mind that prudence is an intellectual pursuit. It is not a concrete action, but is concerned rather with gaining knowledge and seeking counsel. For example, when is this action courageous and when is it reckless? When is caution cowardice? How do we know what to do in certain complex circumstances? So all these things, the gift of prudence helps us to answer as we make choices. So prudence is a regulator. It regulates all the other virtues. And for this reason, prudence is our gateway to perfection. So I really want to talk today about perfection. As I said, prudence is an intellectual virtue whose only action, if you will, is the search for wisdom, knowledge, and insight so as to apply those to daily life. Prudence is intimately associated then with the gift of the Holy Spirit that we call counsel. Prudence seeks counsel in the practical application of both temporal and spiritual affairs. Prudence is also associated, of course, with the gifts of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Now, a short definition of prudence is this, the ability to govern and discipline oneself by the use of reason. Okay, we already uh, mentioned that. This is, in a nutshell, at the heart of what is called personal vocational discernment. Okay, so this is on the big scale and on the little scale, we have to ask this question, how will I govern myself? And to what tasks will I devote my energies? So these are key questions of self-government in every life. So we all aspire to do something great, to actualize all the great potential within us, the potential with which we were born. Um, but so what is the best course for me to do that or for you to do that? This question is answered over and over throughout life, but it is especially crucial to answer it prudently from the outset of adulthood when you are a young adult. You know, this moment of discernment in life is, is just absolutely key to personal perfection. And here I'm talking not only about flourishing in the gifts God has given you, but more importantly, becoming the person God made you from all eternity to be. You see, this really is perfection to arrive at that vision, you know, that vision of what God has in mind for you. So many people, uh, young people today, are taught to think prudentially about, well, you know, finances, about earning a good living and accumulating wealth, uh, about, you know, some of the practical matters of living on one's own. Um, and, you know, prudence in financial matters is very important. Now, that said, it ought to be at least as common and widespread that young people be taught how to attain perfection in the spiritual life, which lasts forever. It is easily demonstrable that we are not just our physical, tangible bodiliness. 
We have invisible qualities, you know, a whole invisible world within us that is our mind, memory, imagination, and will, our heart, soul, psyche, and spiritual relationships. So the cardinal virtue of prudence can help us to discover not just the technical aptitudes we have in the sense of vocational training, but moreover, the actual spiritual vocation that is to be our state in life for the remainder of our days on earth. And I'm talking here about vocational discernment. Am I created to be a priest? Am I created to be a religious sister or brother or a contemplative monk or nun whose daily work is intimate converse with the Lord for his glory, for reparation for sins, and for the happiness of uh, living in undivided attention to God, undiluted by the pursuit of money and things? You know, are you called to the noble vocation of sacramental marriage, parenting, and family life? You know, God calls each one of us and makes each one of us with unique gifts suited to the state in life to which we are called and for which we are created. So the word vocation comes from the Latin word vocari, which means to call or to summon. So that is why we talk about vocations as callings. So what are you called to do or be in life? Or what were you called to be? Did you miss your vocation? You know, this is a widespread reality in life today. Consider this. Judas missed his calling. He actually responded to it initially, but then turned away from it. How often have the callings of the Lord been mildly considered at first and then ultimately rejected and with disastrous consequences? God has never stopped calling people into existence. The Lord and King of the universe, Jesus Christ, does not cease to call people into service in his kingdom either. You know, the ways are many and varied. However, there are principal categories of service that we must acknowledge, first of all. And when we land in the vocational state, in that principal category of service, that is the proper soil, so to speak, for our kind of seeds of talent and personality to grow, well, then we can reach the heights of personal perfection because we grasp hold of the unremitting trajectory of grace coming to us personally. And we are able to correspond at each stage of our lives to it, to the will of God for us. When we choose the right vocation for our lives, oh, this is a big win. And it keeps us from straying too far from the divine plan for our personal happiness. So do you know people whose lives have been hmm, fundamentally derailed by one less than stellar choice in their young adult years? Well, this could apply perhaps to almost all of us to one degree or another. Uh, you know, there's a poet, John Greenleaf Whittier, and he famously wrote in his poem, Maud Muller, this, he said, quote, of all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. <laughs> so it might have been is the song of regret, of remorse for choices made in the past. Now we, can, we cannot dwell on what can't be undone, nor should we have undue distress 
about what uh, has been done in the past, because the good news of Jesus Christ is the general call and vocation of everyone into Christ's kingdom of love and mercy. And we can all enter that from wherever we are right now and be perfected in love by God's mercy. So that is the true call uh, to perfection. It's the perfection of love and mercy, which we can all attain. But now a young person needs guidance and prudential counsel for discerning properly the vocation in life that best suits um, who or he, he or she is to become. So to that end, and also to the end of inviting those of us who are not young persons anymore, um, I would like to share with you the beauty of the vocational options available in the international body of believers known as the Pauline family of religious orders and institutes of consecrated and or secular life. And I say uh, here and or, and or because nearly all of the branches of the Pauline family involve consecration and vows. Uh, but um, after the Society of St. Paul was founded for priests and the Daughters of St. Paul was founded for religious sisters, one of the very first branches of the 10 branches of the Pauline family was the lay community known as Pauline cooperators. Now, these are people who do not take vows in the full religious sense, but they do make promises of fidelity to Christ in the footsteps of St. Paul, which is a pretty big deal. Now, Pauline cooperators are writers, teachers, actors, musicians, doctors, managers, government workers, entrepreneurs, lawyers, social workers, technicians, media professionals, nurses, maintenance workers, moms and dads, and the list goes on and on. They engage in a variety of evangelization initiatives together with the different institutes of the Pauline family. So most often, the cooperators collaborate with the Daughters of St. Paul, a congregation of religious sisters who carry out the mission of evangelization at different locations in the United States and English-speaking Canada, as well as all around the world in different languages. So the founder of the Pauline Cooperators and of all the Pauline congregations and institutes of consecrated life was Blessed James Alberioni. Uh, Blessed James Alberioni was a modest but spiritually gifted priest born in Italy where most of his initial activity took place. So the mother house of all the members of this worldwide family of consecrated evangelizers is in Italy, and it is um, the Queen of Apostles Basilica, which Blessed Alberioni succeeded by the grace of God to erect in Rome in honor of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. So this basilica in Rome uh, serves also as a parish on uh, Via Antonina Pio in the suburb of Montagnola, and it is the headquarters for both the Society of St. Paul and the Daughters of St. Paul. So the central nexus of Pauline life is focused on these two primary vocations, the priests and brothers of the Society of St. Paul, of which Blessed Alberioni was the visionary founder and superior general, and the Daughters of St. Paul which was co-founded by a woman to whom Blessed Alberioni entrusted this work entirely. And this was Venerable Mother Tecla Merlo. Now recall that in the Bible, Tecla was a close female associate of St. Paul. 
So Venerable Mother Tecla Merlo, who was born, incidentally, Maria Teresa in the Piedmont area of Italy, uh, she was renamed in religion as Thecla to emphasize her great role as a female counterpart in the evangelization work to which Blessed Alberioni was called and which was designed to be all uh, in the footsteps of St. Paul, whom Blessed Alberioni called actually the true founder of the Pauline family. So in these two congregations alone, young people have enormously rich opportunities for living out in a specific, exciting, and fulfilling way the baptismal call to undertake the principal work of the church of which each baptized person is a member. And that work is evangelization, which begins in holiness and then involves spreading the good news of that holiness in Jesus Christ and the good news of the redemption of all humanity, of all creation, and of our very bodies, which is deep mystery, is very pertinent uh, today and uh, answers questions that people have today. Now, those who are not, for whatever reason, free to pursue a vocation as a religious priest or sister are welcome to enter into a supportive role as a Pauline cooperator in this great work of evangelization to which every baptized person is called and which the Pauline family undertakes as a principal aspect of daily life. So there is a perfection in making such a choice to join one of these three groups because doing so aids in the perfection of carrying out your baptismal call to holiness in service to the gospel. Jesus says to us, Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to give to each one according to what he has done. That's Revelation twenty-two twelve. We are here in this life but a short time. It is a test to see what you'll do with your free will. Will you freely choose to serve Christ and build his kingdom? Will you choose to freely trust Christ with the details of your life, your finances, relationships, talents, and gifts of mind, body, and soul? We know that Jesus is trustworthy. He proved his undying friendship by dying for us by taking upon himself a task that involved a deep commitment to do something, to heal and restore you and me and the whole world. And he persevered in that commitment to death and beyond, persevering to the present day in that loving commitment to help you and me and to show you and me the path that leads to life. So we can trust our past, present, and especially our future to God in Christ Jesus, the master teacher of the way that leads to happiness. So now, in addition to the three Pauline vocations I've just mentioned, there are actually seven more different vocations in the Pauline family. And these seven together with the first three, in effect, cover every true vocation known proper to mankind and human society. There is literally something for everyone. You see, each Pauline institute is a pathway from where you are right now to what you can become as a person perfected in human integrity. 
Now let me unpack that just a bit. Integrity here means the just and virtuous integration of mind, body, soul, and spirit. Integrity is the prudential regulation of intellect, memory, imagination, and will in such a way that you can begin to live life in the spirit of the living God. You are born for human integrity. You are to mean what you say and say what you mean. And all of that is to be rooted in right conscience, which is formed by uh, education in natural law and in divine revelation, in the events and words of salvation history. You know, that is really human history. And you are to bring all the gifts of your human experience, intellect, memory, imagination, will, and I would add here heart and psyche and intuition and prudential care of the body, all these things you are to integrate into prudential functioning order in application. And that is the virtuous life. When we see this, we say, oh, he or she is a person of integrity. So that is your calling. You know, God is, in his infinite goodness and mercy, has given these types of religious and secular institutes of consecrated life to the world to help us in our journey back to our state of perfection, our state of innocence before the fall. See, Christ came in the flesh to restore human flesh, to, to, to restore the human race from error in judgment. And he has enriched his mystical body, the Church of Believers, with many opportunities to become animated by his grace in his own body and perfected by his grace and our prudential response to that grace. So it's an exciting experience to be a part of the body of Christ, the resurrected body of Christ that lives forever, to be a part of that body is life-changing, and it is um, uh, our pathway to happiness, wholeness, and perfection. So, one very prudential and significant choice that you can make is to join a religious or secular institute of consecrated life, or to become a promise keeper like the Pauline cooperators. So, the Pauline family is not the only religious order in the world, but it is the only religious family I know that offers a pathway to this kind of integrity and holiness for absolutely everyone in the world. It's for every state in life. Uh, it's even for those who have already chosen a vocation. And it's especially for those who have yet to choose a main vocation and who might want to explore how to live the baptismal call to holiness today. Uh, at a time when evangelization using the most modern media of communication is such a critical activity. So that is the Pauline charism. And you can live that charism together with all of us in the Pauline family. There are 10 ways to do it. And I'm going to link in the description of this podcast um, some websites uh, that will explain the branches of the Pauline family so that you can begin to explore whether you might want to join our Pauline mission. You know, you can pray with us, discern with us on retreats. You can cooperate in our spiritual works of mercy. 
and you can grow in holiness and faith together with other like-minded persons in one of these 10 institutes. So you can look for those links in the description of this podcast, and I'll also briefly describe the other seven branches here. So the other seven institutes of consecrated life in the Pauline family are as follows. First, there is the pious disciples of the divine master, or the sister disciples of the divine master. Uh, These were organized as a group of primarily contemplative sisters uh, called to support the active branches and and specifically to support the Society of St. Paul in their ministry as priests. You know, they're called to be at the service of the priesthood itself because many of them are artists, sewers, and craft persons creating vestments and other items for use in the liturgy. And uh, so this group has Eucharistic adoration and the Mass, especially at the heart of its ministry. And you know, Eucharistic adoration is in fact essential to every Pauline vocation, as the Pauline family was born from the founder's own time uh, spent in Eucharistic adoration. So the sister disciples have a strong presence in the United States uh, as a contemplative uh, 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 congregation of sisters, and I encourage you to check them out. Now, the second institute uh, that I want to share with you is the Sisters of Jesus, the Good Shepherd, or the Pastorel, also the Pastorecitas in Spanish. So these sisters have parish work as their unique ministry, and they are very active in parish ministry, ministry, particularly in Central and South America, uh, in Hispanic ministry in the United States, and throughout the world. Um, so their uh, mother house in the United States is in De Plain, Illinois, near Chicago. Um, so they do pa- uh, pastoral ministry work in parishes. So let's see, number three is a second branch of vowed and consecrated Pauline life for priests. And this is for parish priests, those who are already priests and who want to unite what they do with the unique graces and charisms, charisms of the Pauline family and its evangelization efforts. So we have two very popular priests of this sort in the United States, and they belong to what is called the Institute of Jesus Priest, or IJP. So if you're a priest listening to this, you could find out more about the IJP using the links uh, in the description of this podcast. Okay, number four and number five on the list of the remaining seven. These are institutes of consecrated single life for men and women who remain in their homes and remain working in secular professions of service in society while consecrating all they do with religious vows. So these are very special people because they are not as recognizable or understandable by others as are, say, religious persons wearing a religious habit. But The deep relationship these people have uh, with Jesus is very real, and it's it's very much hidden. And uh, yet, if they are persevering in their ongoing formation and prayer life and are making uh, that hidden spiritual life come to bear in unique and oftentimes critical ways in society at large, well, you know, these people take the religious pursuit of the cardinal virtue of prudence into the workplace, you know, in a phenomenal way. 
They do this where religious values uh, may be entirely foreign or even rejected uh, in their area. And yet they bring those religious values into that workplace. So they are salt and they are leaven, according to the biblical understanding of Jesus's metaphor here. So these people belong either to the Institute of St. Gabriel the Archangel, or Gabrielites for short, and that's for men, or the Institute of Our Lady of the Annunciation, or the Annunciationists, which is for women. So that two, uh, these two institutes of consecrated life are, are very important and much uh, overlooked. It's a hidden uh, life of consecration that um, is meant to uh, impact uh, places in the world where maybe a religious habit couldn't go. Um, so the last two institutes of consecrated life are extremely relevant for our modern world and for our topic of reflection today, which is prudence. And uh, that is, first of all, the Institute of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. This is a religious congregation of sisters dedicated solely to helping people discern their vocations in life. Wow, what an important ministry. You see, a lot of the pain and suffering in the world could be altogether avoided if we human beings would discern properly what our role is in the greater plan of Eternal Father. So uh, we would avoid a lot of heartache and sin if we were to better discern when we are young what it is our Eternal Father has in mind for us and for our lives. You know, think about it. A vocation not corresponded to does not just affect one person, but it affects hundreds, perhaps thousands or millions. We are all connected, so we are all affected. And what you decide to do with your life will have an impact on generations. So the Queen of Apostles Congregation, or the Apostoline Sisters, are dedicated to this critical ministry of helping people like you in the world today discern their vocation. Have you struggled with your vocation? Would you like to use that experience of struggle to help others who are struggling? Maybe you can envision yourself doing this sort of work as an apostoline sister. You know, at present, we do not have any apostolines working in the United States that I know of. So, but, you know, maybe God might be calling you to expand this ministry of the Pauline family in your native country and tongue right here. Um, if you tried, decide to do that, it would be an exciting journey. You'd probably have to um, go to Italy to be trained and have to learn Italian. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that is one uh, pathway that's open uh, in the Pauline family to you. If you would like to uh, learn how to help others in their vocational discernment. Now, the final branch of the Pauline family I'd like to share with you uh, uh, was founded nearly on Blessed Alberioni's deathbed, okay? And it was really developed posthumously. And that is the Holy Family Institute, or HFI, which, um, to which I belong, and which has a strong presence here in the United States, as well as in Italy, in Latin America, and in other places around the world. So as the name suggests, the Holy Family Institute is for married persons and widows who want to take their vocation to marriage and family life to a whole new level of spiritual power and efficacy. So while the marriage vows are primary, 
these people in the HFI take additional vows before God, vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, according to the unique expressions these vows take in the context of marriage and family life. For example, the vow of chastity is not the same as celibacy, but it does mean that you have to be faithful to your spouse. Does that sound relevant to the needs of our world today? When more than, I don't know, 50% of marriages end up in divorce, often for frivolous reasons? You know, people need stable and safe relationships within which to mature and within which to give themselves and to perfect virtue, you know, especially uh, the virtue of love. You know, and beyond the married person's needs themselves, you know, there are the needs of the children born to married couples. Children need stable parents and stable homes. And this vow of conjugal chastity uh, taken in the Holy Family Institute, well, this vow alone is enough to change the world and hold back the tsunami of dysfunction that threatens to crash upon children today when parents selfishly pursue separate ambitions and personal interests while allowing the family unit into which the children were born to disintegrate. You know, divorce is a great travesty. It leads children into lifelong trials associated with being able to trust, believe, and love. All things crucial for human life and development and for happiness and for individuals to be able to, to participate in human society in such a way as to contribute to a civilization of love and not harm. So when we see the development of what we might call nefarious players on the local, national, or world scene, you know, we can reasonably surmise that these people suffered as children from dysfunctional homes, from broken marriage vows, or from false ideologies taught in the home. So, regardless of what your current state in life is, there is a place for you in the Pauline family, a place where you can come to encounter Christ anew and walk with others on a journey to the perfection of the human virtues in what is called consecrated life. You know, consecration of one's life to God and to the divine plan is the most prudent choice anyone can make with his or her gift of free will. Our human free will is a gift, but it's also an Achilles heel, a weakness, because we really don't know how best to orient our freedom toward the good. And often we have people around us who don't help us to do that either. You know, uh, using our free will, it certainly is a big responsibility. And when you connect with others in an institute of Christian formation, regulated by uh, uh, the church, regulated by Christ, you exercise your free will in a prudential way, a way that will bring you rich rewards of maturity in faith in this life and the reward of a lasting elevation of all your acts on earth to eternal acts of love that will exist forever in heaven. Okay, so let's make a prudent choice today. This is my proposal. In the next month, in the month of May, why not delve more deeply into the collective wisdom of the Christian Institute of Formation with which you may already be associated. You might already be a Pauline, 
uh, or a religious or uh, you know concentrated consecrated person listening to this. Uh, so delve more deeply into the formation of your own institute uh, to which you belong. And, and if you are not associated with one, well, then take a month, take the month of Mary, the month of May, and check out the links to the Pauline Family Associations, associations that are available to you. So why not contact one of those congregations or institutes to explore this option further, the option of consecrated, vowed religious life, either in a religious, con religious congregation or in a secular institute. You know, there are 10 pathways and one of them is suited to you. I know it. So, um, well, that's all I have time for today, but I do have one more comment. I want to make a, a, a comment about today's uh, topic of prudence. And, and this is um, ancillary, but very important to what we're talking about here. And this is um, uh, that I would like to encourage the prudential use of technology, right? So isn't it wonderful that we have the ability to crowdsource input on a certain topic, to learn from others who have experience in doing something? It is a type of seeking counsel, which is a good thing. It's a, an exercise of prudence. You know, in fact, I often look up recipes online, which makes my husband happy at the dinner table. And, you know, I, recently I was using the internet to learn the nuances of, of how to make goat milk yogurt, which is an entirely different animal, no pun intended, from cow's milk yogurt making. So, you know, I was reaching out and crowdsourcing about this topic so I could uh, execute it in a prudent manner. So the internet is a great resource for seeking counsel prudentially. But that said, we have to be more and more careful in discerning what we read on the internet, especially because it can also be used to exploit people on account of its vast marketing potential. You know, in fact, we in the Pauline family offer up our lives in reparation for the sins of those who use the internet to warp the minds and hearts and undertakings of men and women and children. We also um, offer our daily trials and work for the sins of those who, under the influence of false media, commit grave sins against themselves and others, or who are otherwise led astray, particularly, for example, in their vocational discernment. And of course, we endeavor to use the media wisely to disseminate Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the embodiment of truth itself. So um, we have to look to the sources of information on the internet, and we have to acknowledge that in our day, the more trustworthy sources of information are oftentimes, you know, the average person, the backyard farmer or parent or teacher that has no special powerful interest group funding what they say. You know, they just, out of the goodness of their heart, share. And so we have to distinguish between self-interested marketing and disinterested sharing of ideas and personal experience. And these are two very different things. Corporate messaging is generally premeditated social engineering, whereas the witness of individuals, especially you know, if they are persecuted or uh, harmed by powerful entities uh, because of what they are saying, you know, they can be generally good sources for seeking counsel and gaining in prudential judgment uh, about how to respond 
to certain issues of our day, right? So I just want to throw out that little caveat. Um, this, that today, in our day, prudence is an everyday affair because we're dealing so often with media. So um, in summary, uh, prudence enables us to judge between virtuous and vicious actions. And if I may say, listening to the examination of virtue in a podcast like this is an exercise of prudence, because by doing so, you're seeking to learn more about how to distinguish between vice and virtue. And of course, that is a good and prudent choice. So congratulations and stay tuned and keep listening. Now, um, that said, I want to share with you that I will be on an extended hiatus, a retreat from my usual affairs, beginning the week after next. So uh, during my time of sojourn away, a retreat time, I invite you to continue taking our weekly mini treat, retreat by replaying or playing for the first time, if you missed some of the other podcasts in the series, um, you know, some of the uh, uh, other podcasts. So again, that will be starting in mid-May on May 13th, uh, and we'll go through the first week in June. So um, play some of the um, past podcasts and reflect on those uh, during those weeks while I'm away. Now, incidentally, I mentioned May 13. May 13 is the day to rejoice over the appearance of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of Jesus, to the three children of Fatima in Portugal in 1917. So this was a great gift of God's gracious and loving attention. Uh, and the sign verifying the heavenly origins of these miraculous apparitions, which hold key information for unlocking the hidden mysteries of our time, uh, was five months later on October 13th, when the miracle of the sun was witnessed by thousands upon thousands of people among which were atheists who converted to the way of Christ on that account. So please, on that day, May 13th, celebrate the Virgin Mother of God and thank her and our Lord for the gift of the apparitions and the events at Fatima in 1917. All right, truly, uh, our time is up, and that is all for today. I uh, will be keeping you in my thoughts and prayers. Uh, until we meet again. And so that is all for today. Uh, bye now.